0: Hey, I hope you have a Bible with you. Uh, If not, grab your phone, grab your device. We're going to open our Bibles today to the book of Luke. And I want you to open to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Not where you thought I was going to tell you to open to, but open to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And let me just read. You can follow along as I read. Luke writes this, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, how can this be? That is how Jesus' story begins in the Gospels with the announcement that nothing is impossible with God and the promise that Jesus is going to reign forever. And then, as you read the Gospel accounts, you see this truth demonstrated over and over again. Born of a virgin, no problem. Nothing's impossible with God. Calm the storm, no problem. Nothing's impossible with God. Heal the sick, cast out demons, give sight to the blind, cleanse the leper, no problem. Nothing is impossible with God. And still, when the women found the tomb empty on that Sunday morning, they were shocked and they were confused. Now turn to the book of Mark chapter 16. If you're in Luke, just turn a couple of pages to the left and you'll be in Mark 16. And I want you to go with me to Mark 16, beginning in verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed, you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here's the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. They were astonished. Trembling and astonishment had gripped them. They were amazed. It's amazing how the power of our circumstances can have power over our faith. Jesus had always said that he would be killed. He had always said that after dying, he would raise again on the third day. But a claim like that is insane. A claim like that is so crazy. It's so outlandish. Obviously, he couldn't have meant that, right? Obviously, he wasn't being literal. It must have been some kind of metaphor. I know he brought it up again and again and again, but it had to be a metaphor. It couldn't be real. People can't raise themselves from the dead. And so no one ever thought for a moment that he might be serious. I mean, look what happened when he actually kept his promise and walked out of the grave. The women were astonished. The disciples couldn't believe it. They were holed out in their homes. They were hiding. They were trying to keep out of trouble themselves. Thomas famously or infamously refused to believe it. In fact, he said, I'll never believe it unless I place my hands in his wounds. And he didn't believe until he did place his hands in his wounds. The disciples on the road to Emmaus, they had decided to give up. They had turned around and they were going back to their old life. When Jesus met them on the road, the risen Jesus, and literally turned their lives around. When it gets really dark, it is hard to believe that there's ever going to be light again. But think about Jesus' track record. In fact, one of my favorite sections in Scripture is in the book of Mark. In Mark 4 and 5, you just start at the end of Mark 4, around, I think, verse 26 or so. And and in just Mark 4 and 5, you have just a day in the life of Jesus. And in this day in the life of Jesus, it begins in Mark 4, where Jesus calms a storm. We talked about that a few weeks ago, right? The waves are breaking over the boat, and Jesus just stands up and says, "'Hush, be still.'" And the wind and the waves stop, and the sea returns to glass. And they look at each other and go, What kind of man is this? They make it to the other side of the sea, and there they're encountered by a man who's possessed by a legion of demons. Jesus speaks, and the demons go out and run into a bunch of pigs, and the pigs run over the hill. So now he's shown that he has power over nature when he calmed the storm. He's shown that he has power over Satan. They make it back across the lake. There's a crowd waiting for them. And there's this woman who has been slowly bleeding to death for 12 years. She merely touches the hem of his robe and she's instantly healed. Jesus has power over sickness. And then we have Jairus Who comes to him and says, My daughter is sick. And while they're talking, they get the report that his daughter has died. He still goes to Jairus' house. He walks in, speaks to the dead girl, and she raises up. He has power over death, power over nature, power over Satan, power over sickness power over death. They have been watching Jesus all this time. He has an amazing resume. He has an amazing track record. When he says he can do all things, he means I can do all things. And still they come to the tomb and they are astonished. Still His followers, after seeing it all, are hiding out in their homes, hoping that they won't be the next one crucified, terrified about the future that they face without Jesus. See, they'd all forgotten one thing. Nothing is impossible with God. Now, in case you're not familiar with Jesus... In case you're just sort of tuning in today to check this out, someone invited you, you want to see what this Easter thing is all about, let me make something clear to you as I introduce Jesus to you. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the one who spoke and the universe leapt into existence. He parted the Red Sea and allowed the children of Israel to walk through on dry land. And then he closed up the sea on Pharaoh's army. He opened Sarah's barren womb and brought forth a great nation. He brought down the walls of Jericho so that his people could enter into the promised land because he keeps his promises. He rescued the Hebrew youth from the fiery furnace. He shut the mouth of lions when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. And the the list goes on and on and on and on. That's who Jesus is. Now let me tell you about the problem. When we think that somehow this Jesus is not enough. I mean, you listen to all of those things. How can you tell me about the problem in your life that is too big for Jesus to overcome? Nothing is impossible with God. Boy, do we ever need to hear that right now. We are living in an unprecedented time. Nobody knows quite what to make of it. Some people are sure that the whole thing is overblown and everybody's over exaggerating it and everybody is overreacting. On the other end of the spectrum, there are people who are panicky that we're not doing enough and we should do something to be more careful. All we know for sure is that people are dying from an invisible killer that we can't seem to do anything about. As a result, families are grieving. Church buildings are locked up on Easter Sunday. The economy is a complete wreck. Kids are out of school. People are losing their jobs. Hospitals are overflowing. It's a dark time. It's unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this in our lives. It's a bleak moment. And that's why I'm here today on Easter Sunday to remind you in the midst of this darkness that nothing is impossible with God. I am amazed at the fact that sometimes people who don't know Jesus seem to have more faith that the ac- impossible can be accomplished than those of us who do know Jesus. I was reading this week about Steve Jobs. If you don't know who Steve Jobs is, he's the founder of Apple Computers. He's this great CEO and uh, he was a visionary. And when they were coming out with the iPhone, this is late 2006, they're planning on launching the iPhone in 2007, and all they have is a plastic screen, and Steve Jobs hates the plastic screen. And so he tells his guys, listen, we need some kind of glass, some kind of glass that doesn't break, it doesn't scratch, it's beautiful, it's cheap, it's easy to manufacture, we need some kind of glass, make it with some kind of glass. And his guys say, that's impossible, there is no such glass. And so he checks into it, and and he decides, I'm going to call Wendell Weeks. Now, Wendell Weeks is the CEO of Corning Glass. And so Steve Jobs calls Wendell Weeks, and they meet together, and he says, here's what I need. I need a beautiful piece of glass that is unbreakable, that doesn't scratch, that holds up in all kinds of heat, that is uh, water-resistant, and it's cheap to make. And Wendell Weeks says, you know, we used to dream about something like that. I remember back in the 60s, we had this project, it was called Gorilla Glass, and we were trying to get a team to come up with that kind of a glass, but we scrapped it because we couldn't come up with it. And Steve Jobs looks Wendell Weeks in the eyes, and here's what he says, I need 6 million of those for 6 million iPhones in 6 months. And Wendell Weeks says, I don't think you understood me. This was in the 60s. We tried it. We couldn't do it. We don't have any way to manufacture such a glass. And Steve Jobs looks at him and says, if you put your mind to it, I know you can do it. Now go do it. Six months later, the iPhone rolls out with Gorilla Glass. It's almost unbreakable. It's almost unscratchable. It resists water. It is beautiful. It is cheap to make. It is lightweight. It is all the things that they asked for. That was in June of 2007. By 2012, there were 1 billion mobile devices using Gorilla Glass. And I looked it up. By 2017, that number had risen to 5 billion. At this point, there are more There are more devices using Gorilla Glass than there are people on planet Earth. The impossible is not always impossible. We have to get back to believing in a God who can and will do the impossible. It's always such a great thing for me to just think back on the years that I've been walking with Jesus and think about the many times that He has done the impossible right before my eyes. It's not just something I read about, it's something I experience. I'll never forget 2010, we were building this building. And back then, we thought there would be people in this building on Sunday mornings. Surprise, surprise. But we're building this building and we had entered into a contract with a contractor and we had agreed to a $400,000 price tag. It was going to be $400,000 and it was going to take four months to build. Well, it took 13 months and it cost $1.1 million. And by the time we got to the end, we ran out of money. There wasn't enough money to finish the project. We were about $40,000 short of finishing the project. There was nothing we could do. We are stuck. I was meeting with a friend for breakfast and we were sharing prayer requests. And I said, hey, pray for us. We're so close to being finished with our building, but we've run out of money. He said, okay, I'll pray for you. He went back to his church the next day and he was preaching. And he mentioned us as an example. He said, we all need to have faith. My friend is trying to build this uh, church building and they've run out of money, but he's convinced that God's still going to do it anyway. We need to have faith like that. At the end of the worship service, a lady from his church walked up to him and handed him an envelope and said, I want you to give this to your friend. He brought it to me the next day. I opened the envelope and inside the envelope was a check for $40,000. The exact amount we needed. He didn't even know how much we needed. She didn't know how much we needed. She said, the Lord told me to give a check for $40,000. The impossible. Is not impossible. With God. We sit here in this building today. Because God can do. The impossible. Friends. On this Easter Sunday. I want to just remind you. That what was true. At the time of Jesus birth. Was also true. At the time of Jesus death. Nothing is impossible with God. And that's why when they went to the tomb on that morning, the stone had been rolled away. Jesus had kept his promise. God had kept his word. He will reign forever and ever. Listen, Jesus was dead. A soldier took a spear, shoved it up through his ribs, into his heart, and blood and water flowed out. He had been laid in a tomb with a, with a stone sealed against the entrance of the tomb. And he had been in there for part of three days. That's as dead as you can get. You don't get any more dead than that. But on the third day, on the third day, the stone rolled away. On the third day, the Roman soldiers fell over like dead men. On the third day, an angel sat upon that stone. And on the third day, the risen Jesus Christ walked out bodily from the tomb, and he is alive forevermore. You know why? Because God keeps his promises, and nothing is impossible with God. What obstacles are you facing today? Health issues, financial issues, family struggles, loneliness, fear. The greatest problem that we all face is the problem of sin and death. There is no greater problem than that. That's our great foe. Every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us is guilty before a holy God. And the wages of sin, according to Scripture, is death. So we all face the exact same problem. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. It's simply impossible for us to do that. But that doesn't mean we can't be saved. Easter reminds us that nothing is impossible with God. Jesus defeated the power of sin on Calvary's cross. God raised him from the dead on that third day. And and in so doing, he defeated death on the cross, he defeated sin on the cross and death in the empty tomb. And that's why for some 2,000 years, Despite famines, despite wars, despite natural disasters, despite plagues, the people of God have lifted their voices on Easter Sunday. The people of God have declared together, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Because nothing is impossible with God. Have I said that enough times? Nothing is impossible with God. Say it with me. Nothing is impossible with God. That was terrible. I want to hear it again. Nothing is impossible with God. Church, we've got to get that driven into our hearts. We've got to get that surrounding our minds because we do face very real challenges. We do face very real problems. And I'm not saying God is going to do everything you want him to do just the way you want him to do it right when you want him to do it. That's not what it is. God is not a genie in a bottle. I'm just telling you that God has made certain promises to his followers. And he has said that whatever may come your way, no matter what may befall you, death will not master you death will not have victory and in the scripture Paul writes oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your victory death cannot overcome the one who is the life the power of sin has been squashed the power of death Has been destroyed. And by faith in the risen Savior, you and I can have eternal life if we only believe. The scripture tells us very clearly that we must confess to God that we're sinners, that we must realize that we cannot save ourselves, that we must call out to God as Lord and Savior. Now, a lot of us are comfortable with Savior, we're glad to be plucked out of the fire. But we're not so comfortable with Lord. Lord means boss. Lord means king. Lord means he rules my life. The scripture says he will not be savior without being Lord. He's Lord and savior. And if we will come to him, no matter how deep our sin, no matter how broken our lives, if we will come to him and we will put our trust in him and begin to follow him as Lord and savior, the scripture says death. Will not have victory over us. And so I want to invite you today, wherever you are, you may be watching this on a device in your car, you may be all alone in your home, maybe you're surrounded by people. It doesn't matter. Wherever you are, right now, where you are, all you have to do is in your heart, talk to God, confess your sin. Trust in Jesus as Savior. Ask him to be Lord of your life and he will give you new life. By faith in the Savior, eternal life is available to all of us. Nothing is impossible with God. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Father, we want to say thank you we're just humbled at what you have done for us after thinking on Friday about the about the terrible horrific truth of the cross to think what you did for us lord jesus on that cross how you drank the cup of god's wrath though you're completely innocent you defeated sin for us and now on this sunday We lift our hands, we lift our hearts, we rejoice together as your children because you haven't just defeated sin, you've defeated death. And we can walk in newness of life today because of who you are and because of what you've done. What a mighty God we serve. You are risen, Lord Jesus. You are risen indeed. And we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.